Today, I'm going to tell you some stories as I talk about this whole, what I learned from dying, or I should change that, what I almost learned from dying, or learned from almost dying, or whatever I named the series. Um, (laughs) Tell you some stories uh, that might make me look good, okay? And so I want to make sure you know that I'm not here to impress you with me. And so I need you to say two things after me, okay? So first say this, I'm not impressed with this guy. And I'll say, tell me more about Jesus. All right, there we go. Good job. Thank you very much. Because that's why we're here. And so I'm going to tell you some things that might might make me sound good. And so to make sure you know it's not about me today, I'm going to tell you about some of my uh, not-so-great hospital moments, just to make sure you know that if God did something cool, then that was God doing something cool and not me. So when I was um, on the vent after coming off of ECMO, um, I was very alert. And so I began trying to text. Now, I couldn't see my phone too well at first. I somehow figured out, or maybe Nika did, I don't know. But somebody made my phone the biggest font possible so I could kind of half see, right? And so I start texting, and I'm, I'm, again, still a little bit out of it. And so I sent this text to my wife. It says, Chittagong gum, and there's the chicken emoji, okay? <laughs> now, I have no clue what I was trying to say. Uh, Chittagong is apparently a city in Bangladesh. Uh, I didn't know this at the time. Uh, I don't know if I was asking for chicken-flavored gum from Bangladesh. I was probably more likely trying to say Chick-fil-A. I probably was going on there. Um, Because I had insomnia several nights nights and days in a row, I just couldn't sleep, Um, I got my AM and PM mixed up. And at one point, I went on a calling spree at what I thought was 4 p.m. So I'm calling my family. I'm, I'm texting some pastor friends, and no one's answering. No one's picking up. My poor dad actually did pick up. He's like, Doug? Like, I'm like, Dad, why are you in bed, man? You lazy? You know? Yeah, it was 4 a.m., clearly. I completely had that off. Um, I, this is too much information maybe for some of you, but again, just want to make sure you don't think too much of me. Uh, in the hospital, I, I both wet and soiled the bed several times, and I didn't even have a cool uh, buzzer like Ray talked about a few weeks ago, if you remember his message. Um, Number three here, severe anxiety at times, Um, probably sometimes because of the medication, sometimes because of just, I guess, what I was going through, and there were times I'd call Kelly in the middle of the night and just say, I'm a mess, pray for me, I'm freaking out right now, I can't breathe, or I I just feel so afraid, or, and so she would pray with me, and, and God would give me peace. There were some times where uh, probably a mixture of pain medication and uh, sleep medication made me a little bit loopy. I've always been a vivid dreamer, and I've told you guys about some wacky dreams I've had, but when I wake up, I normally am fine, and I can you know, just come back to reality. Um, not so much in the hospital. There were times where some crazy things happened. Um, one night when I should have been in the hospital, I actually woke up in a hotel lobby, and I was tied to a bunch of people. And I, like, I'm freaking out, and I somehow was able to get my phone and, and call Kelly, and I'm like, honey, I'm, in a hosp- I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be in the hospital, but I'm in a hotel. And she goes, oh, Doug, you're, you're in the hospital. Like, you are not kidnapped. You are not in a hotel anywhere. Like, you're okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. Kelly, listen to me. I know you think that I'm in the hospital. Like, very condescending. Very condescending. But I promise you, like, I, I would know. Like, I'm with it enough to know that I am in a hotel and tied up. And, and so she has the wisdom in that moment to say, Doug, 
take out your phone, and I want you to video the room and video yourself, and then I want you to send it to me, okay? And I'm thinking, oh, I will do that. I will prove to you exactly what's going on, that I have been kidnapped, and I'm in some hotel somewhere. Now, only a man would actually wish he'd been kidnapped just to prove he's right, okay? (laughs) And so I'm going all in on this. And so I do what Kelly said, and I go ahead and I videotape the room, and I start to realize, like, oh, those are uh, pillows and blankets that I'm tied to, and um, that's not me being tied with rope. I have IVs and EKG wires and three tubes in me, and oh, okay, that's why I can't get up, and there's a blood pressure cuff, and oh, okay. And so I didn't send her the video. I simply text her, why do you always have to be right? <laughs> so just in case you're thinking something to me you shouldn't, just remember the mess that I was in the hospital. One night I woke up, and there were two men in creepy medical gear over me. Like, I'm not talking about the normal, normal medical gear they're having to wear these days. I'm talking about like gas masks and like, they just look really scary like you see in the movies. And uh, as soon as I opened my eyes, they ran out. And then I, I like, what was going on? And, and I, I'm, I'm sure that they were there to hurt me. Like, it just felt like I was freaked out. And so fell asleep again. I woke up and there are the two medical guys again over me again. And they walk out and I hear talking and I'm like, oh man, these guys are plotting something. I know it. And I actually later on found in my phone a note that I entitled, In Case Something Happens to Me. <laughs> I was convinced there was a plot. And I'm writing, uh, let's see, I'm talking about these, these men. And, and I'm, I had pictures of my kids and family all over the room. And I'm convinced they look bigger now. I think that they photocopied them. And I'm in a fake room now. And I'm like, and I wrote, um, this is all just really weird. I don't know what to do. I'm trapped in this bed. I can't even stand up. Forget sneaking out or running away. No one can come in here. And then I wrote, maybe all this is the medication. In fact, I really hope it is. But if not, what the heck are they doing? <laughs> so that was me in the hospital. You guys are like, okay, he should not be our pastor. He's like, right? So if I say something today that makes me sound good, I want you to remember it's coming from a weird texting, anxious, hallucinating bed soiler, okay? Those are my four points for you today. Can you write those down? <laughs> That's where it's all coming from. And what I really want to do is show you that if anything good happened at all, then God was doing something pretty special and unique, and he was giving me grace. And I'm going to share some of that today. And, and if you're here today wondering, like, Doug, I look at what you went through, and I just can't ever imagine going through that. Like, you're so strong and this and that. Well, we're going to talk about that next week. I'm not so strong. Again, God was up to something, which I'm going to share more about next week. But, but I want to make sure that it's about Jesus. And, and, and enough about me for a minute. Let's... let's ask some questions about you. Have you ever doubted that there was purpose for something that you went through? Like you're just looking at some situation in your life going, why? Like this just doesn't make sense. This is so painful. This, this hurts so much. You know, maybe you moved out of state for a season. You went to school or found a job and, and your life fell apart. And you're like, what was the point of that whole, that's just a wasted time in my life. Maybe you, you wrestled with a season of addiction and it's like, that was for nothing. That was a waste. That just destroyed and destroyed and destroyed. What was that for? What good could come out of it? Maybe it's a financial thing. You're like, I am a mess financially and I can't imagine why God would allow this. Maybe you put everything into a business and you poured your heart into it. You, you know, relationships got strained. You borrowed money from everybody you could find and, and the business is struggling. Maybe you lost someone, a good person, man, you know? Like, we've lost some people in this last season, and I'm just like, why? And I don't have an answer for that. Why? How can there be purpose in all that? Have you ever doubted that there's purpose in what you've gone through? Let me ask you a second question. Have you ever thought 
that maybe because of what you're going through, there's no way God could use you right now. Like, there's no way that there could be like a calling of God on your life to do anything right now because of what's happening in your life. How can God use someone who's depressed? How can God use someone who's so tempted? How can God use someone who's sick? Have you ever doubted those things? I'll tell you what, when I was in the hospital, God really showed me purpose and calling. Purpose and calling. That there was still something God wanted to do in my life and through my life, despite the fact that I was in the hospital for several months. This is so important for you and I to talk about because when we're not aware of the purpose in our life or the calling on our life, life starts to seem meaningless, doesn't it? I I was certainly tempted in those few months to think, this is meaningless. What's happening here? Why am I here? Why do I keep having setback after setback? And it became very easy to just kind of sit there and just endure it all. But isn't there something more than that for you and me? I want to tell you today, your life's not meaningless. Your life is not meaningless. The past is not meaningless. The present and the things you and I will go through in the future, not one ounce of it is meaningless. Your mistakes, your sin, the things you've gone through, the pain you've suffered, the things you're walking through, not one ounce of that is meaningless. Now, this is really important. Let me just say this. Sometimes we don't know the purpose for what we've been through, right? But here's what I need you to know. There is a purpose for what you've been through, right? You might not know what that purpose is. Sometimes you know it. Sometimes you can talk about it with a friend. You can talk about it with a therapist or a pastor or somebody. But other times, something's happening. You're like, I just don't know the purpose. That doesn't mean there isn't a purpose. And I need you to know today that all you've been through and will go through, there is a purpose. Now, if you're thinking calling here today, a lot of us have put that calling on the shelf, right? We've just decided right now, there's not really anything for me to do because X, Y, or Z is true of my life because of these hardships that I've walked through. And I just kind of put my calling on hold for a while. I put my purpose on hold for a little while. I want you today to leave here convinced that there's a purpose and a calling no matter what you're walking through. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad you're here or watching online. And I want to let you know that, man, God has both for you as well, purpose and calling. That there are things you've walked through, and maybe even those things you've walked through have made you angry at God. There's a purpose for those things. And there's a calling. Maybe today will be the first time you hear God calling you, calling you toward himself, calling you toward some meaning and purpose that he has for you in life. So we're going to look today for a few minutes at a guy named Paul. And he was a follower of Jesus He was really bold. At first, he was really bold against Jesus, and then he experienced Jesus, and he became really bold for Jesus, and he began telling everybody he knew about Jesus. But you know what? Even though he was doing what God wanted him to do, things were still difficult for him. And we have to make sure we know that our difficulties don't equal God's disapproval in our lives. Sometimes we think like, oh, if things aren't going well, God must be disapproving. Have you ever done something for God or done something good and then it went wrong and you're shaking your fist at God like, but I just did this. Like, I just did this for you. When I was in college, I had a professor who um, came into class one day. He said, you know, last night my wife and I went to a movie and there ended up being a lot of like really shady stuff in the movie and I knew I should just leave. As a follower of Jesus, I didn't belong sitting in that theater watching all this kind of stuff. And so me and my wife got in my car and we left and, and I stopped at a gas station on the way home and I ended up pulling too far ahead with the, with the, uh, for the gas tank and so I backed the car up, but I backed it up with my door open and it hit that little concrete thing and it bent the door. And I immediately went, God, I just walked out of a movie for you and now this is how you repay me? And sometimes that's how we think, right? Like I've been through something difficult after I did what you wanted me to do 
What we're going to see here is Paul, who could have so easily decided that this present setback in his life meant no purpose or no calling. Think about it. Like, Paul didn't think of himself as a rock star Christian, but we look back, we're like, this guy was incredible. He changed the whole world, right? Imagine somebody at that caliber, somebody who's used that powerfully by God, being stuck and feeling like life was purposefulness, purposelessness, excuse me, and also void of all calling for a season. Like imagine being, you know, that productive and being stalled out for a season. That's where we're going to find Paul here today. What purpose could he find there and how would his calling mean anything to anybody? Philippians 1.1 says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Paul's just identifying himself as the writer of the letter. So all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers. Now before we go on, and deacons, before we go on, I want you to get the tone that Paul is using here, okay? I want you to think, as we're reading these next several sentences, I want you to imagine where you think he is, okay? He says this, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's very happy, right? I thank my God every time I remember you. I think of you guys. I'm just so thankful for you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Like, doesn't he just sound like he's living large, right? Like, life's so good for him. Sounds like he's, like, in Disney or something, you know? Like, yeah, I went to Star Wars land. I was waiting on lines a little longer than I wanted to. I paid $37.50 for a small soda. But, you know, I'm having a pretty good day, right? Or maybe he's, like, on his honeymoon, you know? Oh, man, me and the wife are in wedded bliss here and... Now, we know Paul didn't get married. So where is he writing this with all this love and excitement and joy and passion? Does anybody know where he was? Where was he when he wrote this? Yeah, he was in jail. I don't know about you, man. I don't think that's how you and I would probably think about writing from jail, right? We'd be writing just, you know, two words, help me, right? Like somebody call, you know, Judge Judy or Johnny Conkren or Tom Cruise or somebody. Like, just get me some help here because I don't belong in here. But that's not what Paul did. Paul instead realized something about purpose and calling in the midst of all that he was walking through. And it says in the next part, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, this, I'm sorry, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. In other words, the message of Jesus was here, but now that I'm in prison, it's advancing, it's moving in ways it wasn't before I was here. Here Paul is recognizing some purpose. Oh, I'm in here right now, but the gospel, the message of Jesus, love for us, his sacrifice for us, his death, his resurrection, it's moving forward right now because I'm in here right now. And God's up to something that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Purpose. Those chains are not meaningless. Imagine, listen, if you could look at your financial burden right now and go, okay, this stinks. I'm asking God to help and provide, but not purposeless right now. Not purposeless. There's meaning. Imagine looking even at the loss of a loved one. Imagine looking at a a marriage you're kind of feeling stuck in right now and things aren't what you thought they'd be and you've been praying. Man, imagine right in the midst of that saying, okay, there's still something God is up to. I tell you, my hospital bed wasn't meaningless. At times it felt meaningless, but my hospital bed was not meaningless. And I have to tell you something about Paul, and it's also true of you and true of me. It's this. Paul was going to be in prison whether he lived with purpose and calling or not, right? Paul was going to be there. He was there one way or the other. It was his choice to say, all right, Lord, I'm going to find your purpose in this, and I'm going to live out your calling in this. 
The same is true for you. And the same is true for me. Wherever you find yourself, there is still purpose and there's still a calling. There's still something big God is up to. There's lives ready to be changed if you and I will say, okay, Lord, I will listen and do what you're calling me to do. I was going to be attached to a hospital bed whether I lived with purpose and calling or not. Your financial burden might still be there whether you live with purpose or calling or not. Your sickness might still be there whether you live with purpose and calling or not. It's this choice that we make. And there's something I need you to think about today. The message of Jesus might advance more while you're in, your, in the prison than when you're out. I'm gonna talk a little bit more about that next week. It might just be in that environment right there, kind of in that pressure cooker of what God's doing in that really intense, painful season that God can grab a hold of people's hearts and attention like he wouldn't be able to were you and I free. And so what if you and I begin to look at the burdens right now, the frustrations right now, where our kids are right now, where our parents are right now, the, the disappointments in life. What if we look at all of it and say, okay, God, there's something very special right here, right now. It is painful. I am broken. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. We're going to talk more about that next week. But God, there's something you can do right here and right now that maybe you wouldn't if things were just okay. Verse thir- thir- uh, excuse me, 13. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Paul is finding purpose and calling. He's saying, okay, all the guards know. Now everybody else knows that I'm in here because I keep saying Jesus is alive. And I keep saying it and it keeps spreading and lives are being changed. Paul was not in prison for two weeks or two months like I was in the hospital. Two years, he's under house arrest. He's going, okay, there's a reason for this. But you're Paul. You should be out planting churches, healing people, praying for the sick, raising the dead. You're Paul. You're in a prison? Yeah, there's purpose, though. Jesus is up to something. He's doing something. And if it weren't enough that the prisoners and the prison guards were hearing about Jesus and this message was spreading, Paul wrote several books of the Bible while he was in prison. Imagine missing that one. Right? Imagine had he not lived with purpose or realized that there was a calling to see God do something powerful in him right then and right now. Verse 14. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Wow. Purpose and calling. Think about this. Because Paul lived connected to the Lord and like we talked about two weeks ago, breathing God's presence in. While he's in a prison cell, his boldness inspires other people to be bold. God's up to something powerful. I don't know about you, as we live in our nation that's changing, 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 you know, we, we, we're starting to cost something to be a Christian, isn't it? And I just want to say, I don't think we need to fear that. Naturally, we can fear that and get lost in our heads a bit and, oh no, what if, and what if I don't have the strength, and what if... Well, isn't it interesting that they arrested Paul and thought, well, this will shut him up and all those Christians too, and the opposite happened. Paul's arrested, and now all of a sudden, because he's bold, everybody outside the prison is becoming bold. Isn't that amazing that there's grace for those moments? The power of your influence is great when God's involved. See, the power of my influence would have been nothing if God had not been involved in the hospital, but in the hospital... God showed me purpose and showed me calling. And I was not, please, again, let's be real about me. I was not swimming in that 24-7, you know? I mean, there was times I would call Kelly in, in tears. Just, I just I just, need to, I just want to be home. I just miss you guys. I, I was not, you know, 
Please don't see me standing on my bed preaching to Nika through the window, like, like, yeah, you know, John 3.16. Like, like, there were dark moments. But as I'm laying there, this weird texting, anxious, hallucinating bed soiler, you wrote those down, right? <laughs> Began to just say, well, what can I do? And what we realized is God had people for me and my family to reach in the midst of that situation. There was a purpose and a calling because there were doctors and nurses that have been through a nightmare that needed love, that needed prayer. And as I began to talk with these people, they more and more began to share hurts and brokenness. And, and I've had several doctors look at me in my face and say, I, I just, I, I'm so hurting over the loss of all these people. I've had nurses say, I'm so sad, or I open up about their personal lives, or, you know, physical therapists saying, you know, I need prayer for this, that, and the other, and, and just seeing the depths of, of the pain and the sadness and the PTSD of what they've gone through. I've had one doctor saying, I've gained 40 pounds in the last year because I go home and I just eat, 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 because I'm trying to kind of numb out from all this. So much loss. And these people needed the prayers of God's people. So I began to just ask them, how can I pray for you? And some of them I prayed with right then and there. You know, you can kind of tell when somebody's open to that and when somebody's not really open to that. And so if somebody wasn't really open to it, I would just take those prayer requests and pray. And I'm still praying those prayers today for those doctors and nurses. And there was just this mission, this calling God had for that time while I was there. There was a purpose for me being there. And so over time, I began to connect with some doctors and nurses uh, through, uh, through social media, and um, one of them wrote this. Today, I had a pastor as a patient. He's been hospitalized since the beginning of December with COVID. Missed every holiday with his family. Has been intubated and extubated. Was on ECMO a week ago and still has three chest tubes and requiring a lot of respiratory assistance. At the end of my shift, as I was saying goodbye, he thanked me for all of today's care and said, I know I can't do much in return, but can I pray for you? Calling is a purpose. She said, my eyes filled with tears. A man who has been through hell and fought for his life for weeks was asking if he could pray for me. I asked him to pray for the recovery and health of my patients and that I'd be given the strength and knowledge to give the best possible care I could. So we prayed. He prayed for the things I asked. He also prayed for the health and protection of myself, my family, and my coworkers. That moment will always be profound to me. With so much bad around us, I was instantly reminded of the good and again knew I was right where I was supposed to be. Purpose. Right in the middle of it. Calling right in the middle of it. And I don't tell you that to say, look at me, how great I am. I tell you that to say, if God could use me, hardly able to talk and breathe at that point, then how much could he use you? You are way more put together than I was. There's so much that God can do through you. So after 54 days in the hospital, um, I still could only take five steps. And when I did, it was very difficult to breathe. And so they were saying, you need to go to rehab. And I didn't want to go to rehab. I'd been in the hospital 54 days already. And so I was praying. And I, I'll tell you what, I was praying with faith that I'd just be able to get up and walk. I know many of you were too. 
just get up and walk. And I kept praying, and I kept praying, and it didn't happen. And I would get up and walk, and I would, you know, have to, just to stand, just holding a walker with people next to me, I'd have to focus on a certain spot on the wall. I had this little sticker that was on the window, and I'd stare at it to just stay on my feet and breathe. And so I knew I had to go to rehab. And they were amazing, and I'm so thankful. Looking back, I so badly needed it. But when I got there, I began again to just thankfully have a connection with some of the doctors and nurses and the nurses' aides. And one nurse's aide came in one morning, and I had just woken up, and I, I wake up kind of cranky. And uh, I'm laying there, and she comes in, and she looks at me, and she goes, you, you're you. I was like, I'm me. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I was just at four in the morning. I couldn't sleep. I was reading your story on Facebook, and now I'm your aide today. And so we began to just talk, and eventually I asked her if I could pray for her. And she wrote me this message later. I can't even begin to tell you how, my, how you made me feel when you asked me, do you need prayers? Instantly, it brought me to tears. Thank you so much for saying such a beautiful prayer. There you sat in your hospital bed praying for my family. I'm so glad you're home with your beautiful family, and I can't wait to go to your church, which she has, by the way. Some of you guys are going, you did this because you're a pastor. I'm not a pastor. You did this because it's your job, and I'm not a pastor. And so this is for pastor people, and this is not for me. And I just want to let you know that's not true because most people don't even care that I'm a pastor. In fact, if I say I'm a pastor, I get a mixed response. About 50% of people will say, oh, that's so cool. Wow, how did you get involved with that? It's a nice little conversation. The other 50%, what do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. Okay. <laughs> now, okay sounds like not that bad an answer, but it is very innocently disapproving. And I can prove it because... That's what you say to anybody whose job you don't approve of, right? If you're at a party, you're like, what do you do? Dude's like, I'm a mob hitman. Okay, right? <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. No doubt. So no, this is not just because I'm a pastor. This is for people who love Jesus. This is for people who've been forgiven. This is for, for people who believe that God wants to use them. This is for all of you and all of us. And so God had me to reach doctors and nurses, but, but there was more calling in that too. It was to reach people through this thing we call the interwebs. It was to reach those who could somehow follow our story. And very early on, Kelly and I began to just post what was going on. And um, as I was posting early on, we began to just hear from people that God was rallying together to pray. And they were finding hope in our story. And someone wrote this to us, uh, to Kelly. Kelly, I, don't not, I do not know you. I read your message and your words of hope, love, and devotion to our good Lord. You are such an inspiration. Somebody else, wrote, somebody else wrote this, this fight belongs to the Lord as he has shown you time and again through your unimaginable struggle and determination to get well. Your faithfulness has undoubtedly touched many lives which might never have heard about the God we serve. What a testimony you have keeping you in my prayers. Now this next one's special to me because he's the lead singer of one of my favorite 80s Christian metal bands called the Galactic Cowboys. No, they are not country. And here's what he said. <laughs> Doug, we've prayed for you and your family since reading your story. It gives me hope. I'm so grateful to have been not necessarily a part, but just aware of your fight and the success the Lord provided. God bless you, brother. You have a great wife and family. They were by you and telling your story the whole way. Kelly and I continued to post once I came off the van. I was able to kind of jump back on there when I could actually see my phone. And um, we got some incredible messages from people. Somebody wrote this. We're praying for you to return home to your family quickly. I also want to write you to say thank you. I cannot begin to tell you how much you and your family have touched my life and the lives of so many that I know, including members of our church, 
my coworkers, and my unsaved family members. I just received a message from my sister, who's a nurse at Stony Brook, about how much your story has touched her and renewed her faith. I can't begin to imagine all you've been through, but I'm thankful you allowed it all to testify of God's faithfulness and love. And again, I'm nothing special. God just had a purpose and a calling right there in the midst of it all, people to impact. And what's amazing is it wasn't just me that God was calling. He was calling others to rally around this great miracle that God did. You guys, it was you guys driving to the hospital and praying. It was you guys passing my house and praying. It was you guys caring for my family in the ways that you did and such generosity and love. Incredible. But God also called strangers to pray for us. Got this message. We've never met before. I read your wife's plea for prayer. The prayers that went before the throne of God are more than you can comprehend. I received the video from my sister-in-law, and she sent it to her nine brothers and sisters. It's a good family to send them out to. She said they sent it to their families, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Somebody else wrote this. God bless you, Pastor Doug. The kids in Haiti prayed lots for you. So glad you're getting better each day. Somebody else very attentively followed your story on Facebook, and boy, have I prayed. It's beyond amazing to see how God's been working on you, through you, and manifested his power and love to all of us. I want to let you know that I'll definitely keep praying for you. Many blessings over here from Germany. Somebody else. You have prayer warriors in Greece and Italy bombarding heaven for you. I have a little video here I want to show you guys. This is my buddy Christian. We went to college together and played soccer together, and um, he grew up in Ecuador, and then he went back to be a missionary, and this is a video he sent me while I was in the hospital. Hey, brother, I don't know if you can see this. I mean, you're allowed to see it when you're at the hospital. But just so you know, here in Ecuador, we have a team of people praying for you. Um, we know that God has a perfect plan, and I can see how much he's using and encouraging people around you. But just so you know, feel encouraged. We love you. We're praying for you. And we both had long curly hair down our shoulders in college. Uh, time is cruel. This next one's hard to read. Um, mother who wrote us about her little son, her little boy. She said, well, my son would hear of your daily improvements. One of the things he said to me that still brings tears was, wow, mom. So, so I guess Jesus really is real. She said, it's one thing for us to tell him, but for him to come to that realization on his own by seeing his prayers answered in a miraculous way, was beautiful. Purpose. God showing people that he's real. God showing little ones that he answers prayer. And I know we don't always get every answer we want, but there is a God that works miracles. And I'm so thankful that he's not just called me, but he's called us so much. I'm so thankful that there's purpose in every situation that we walk through. And so have you ever doubted that purpose? Have you ever doubted that calling? Have you ever sidelined yourself and, and just kind of decided, not, not now, not now. This is too hard. This is too painful. This is too, I'm too far gone. I'm, I'm too depressed myself. I'm too broken myself. Because I hope what you guys are seeing here today is that in every situation you face, there is a purpose and a calling. Every situation you face, there is a purpose and a calling. 
As we look through Scripture, you will find that over and over and over again. And I just want to say to you loud and clear today, don't let the prison steal your purpose. Don't let a delay, don't let a, a limitation that maybe you even placed on yourself or a limitation that's been placed on you. Don't let a sickness or a disease or the loss of someone. Don't let a, a depression or an addiction, don't let any of it lie to you and say, there's no purpose. God has a purpose. Your life counts. Your life is meaningful. And he has so much for you. To the person who's thinking about ending their life, there is purpose. Don't do it. God has something for you. Unique, special. Might be different than everybody else's, but it's beautiful. And there's a reason you're here. Don't let the prison steal your calling. If you have decided that there's just nothing you can do today, it might just be as simple as asking someone if you could pray. It might be as simple as reminding somebody that God loves them. It might be as simple as sending a text to somebody just to say, how are you? God wants to use you. And there's always a calling. I think what's amazing about Paul is that not only would he, he would not let the prison steal his purpose and calling, but he viewed it like that prison was advancing his calling. And that's what I think we need to begin to look at, the setbacks in our lives. You know what? I don't know why this marriage thing, I don't know why those kids, I don't know why this addiction, I don't know why this time of incredible struggle temptation-wise. I don't know why did I do that one thing. Why did I make that decision? I don't know why all that. But somehow God's going to use that to advance this. And just like me, maybe the time in the prison, God will use more than the time that you're out. Maybe as the eyes are on you and people are wondering if God is real, they'll see it in the way that you and I just approach the day-to-day. I just wonder what could happen if we live with purpose and calling. I wonder how many people there are that God's put in our lives to reach. You know, if you're convinced today that there's no purpose or calling for you, I just want to tell you one last quick story. One night, a nurse practitioner came in, April, who was basically in the room every day, just checking on me, making sure everything's okay. And as she walked in one night, she said, I just left the room of of an old lady that's been in the hospital for a while, and there's nothing left we could do for her, and we're sending her home to pass at home. And I told her her prognosis and that we were sending her home. And she looked back at April, and she said, at least I have a few more hours to pray for Doug. April was here last week, and she told me that lady's still alive and still praying for me. (laughs) If she can find some purpose and calling in her last few hours, and you can too, and I can too. And so no matter what you're going through, no matter the pain, the betrayal, your own regret, I want to let you know, in every situation you face, there's a purpose and a calling. Let's pray together. God, we're so thankful, Jesus, that we're not left to wonder if there's purpose or if there's the hope of being used by you. And God, I just want to pray for everybody that we would walk in those purposes and callings, God. In fact, I encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus, just to pray simple prayers. God, what's the purpose and what's my calling? 
Maybe you need to go deep with God on something. God, I have this great hurt in my life. What's the purpose? Maybe the other thing is just to really explore what is God calling you to right now? How is he calling you to make an impact and a difference in your school, at work, at home, your neighborhood? Maybe you're stuck in a hospital bed watching online. I'm telling you, God wants to use you there while you're there. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I have the best news ever for you today. There's an amazing Savior who loves you, and he came to die for you and me and to take away our sin. And it's not based on being a good person, bad person, anything in between. It's all his mercy and his grace. Just like I had nothing to offer in that hospital in and of myself, he gives a gift of grace for you and me. And he wants you to know him. And maybe you feel his calling today. Maybe you feel like he's talking right to you. He wants you to be his. And if that's you, then I encourage you to pray with me now. Something like this. Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for forgiving me, for loving me. I put my full trust in you as my Savior and my God. Show me how to follow you now. And I thank you for this gift of salvation. In your name.